What are some of the trends we're seeing with as-a-service software solutions, and how do their benefits differ from an OT and an IT perspective? How can we utilize a hybrid approach with edge computing and cloud computing in the industrial space to design an architecture that gives you the best of both worlds? Are MQTT and OPCUA in competition, or are they complementary? What are the main areas that a company should focus on in their journey to digital transformation? This is Inductive Conversations with Don Pearson speaking with our guest, Gary Minchel, founder of the Manufacturing Connection. Well, it certainly is my great pleasure to welcome you, Gary Mitchell, to the podcast today. I think uh, I'd like to start off with a little introduction that you give of yourself. We've known each other for years. We'll talk a little bit about a little background and then get into some topics. So, uh, Gary Mitchell, welcome to the podcast and uh, tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing. Hi, Don. It's great to be here. It's actually kind of strange, uh, me being on the other side of the interviewing thing. I've been podcasting since 2007. So uh, I often tell people I actually worked before I started this gig that I'm on now. I worked in manufacturing and product development, manufacturing, engineering, quality assurance and stuff for about 25 years and went into publishing and became a uh, an editor and I think most people knew me as the founding editor-in-chief of Automation World magazine. Uh, and I left to go out on my own, oh man, it's eight years ago now. And uh, so I do the Manufacturing Connection. I'm an independent blogger and analyst type of a person. And mostly I just like to promote the industry and good technology and good people, of which I, I know a bunch and you're one of them. So you and Steve and the crew out there, I just enjoy working with you guys. Gary, it's great to talk to you. You, you. you sort of shoved me down memory lane when you started talking about yourself, too, because I I think it was, I don't know, it's 15 years ago now at an ISA show in Houston, I think, may have been the first time that um, you and I met. Uh, that's a while ago now. It seems like uh, a little bit seems like yesterday and it also seems like a long time ago. But then I was also thinking when you said that about you being uh, on the other side of the microphone, if you will, right now. I think you came to our offices, inductive automation offices, the old, old offices when Steve was still in the integration business, and you did a podcast interview with him almost 15 years ago. Is that is my recollection correct, or uh, is that am I totally off base on that? Oh no, we that was um, that was interesting. I had met Steve, the the founder, a couple of years before that at an ISA show and um, didn't know how to take him. He just said, got this new company and we're IT from the ground up, just totally rewrote everything. And, you know, I meet CEOs like that all the time. It's kind of like, oh, okay. I, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I listened to a while we talked and, and so on. It was very interesting uh, what you what he was doing at the time. And yeah, so we, we made a trip out to Sacramento. And I remember those were the early days. I laid a... Uh, little digital recorder on the conference room table, thought I was going to uh, interview Steve, but Steve is a quiet kind of guy and he just turned it over to, who was there? Travis was there and- Travis and maybe Colby, I'm not sure. It may have been our- uh, Probably Colby, I, I think. Anyway, yeah, that you, you could find it yet at automation.libson.com and somewhere back about that time, it's still on the web. But we had a great conversation and just uh, those guys talking geek and you know java and different things and and what was going on yeah so it goes it goes back a long way i followed you guys a long time and uh, you've done some really interesting stuff out there can't believe it's been that long but it's been a while 
And I was just thinking when you said that, you know, in those days when we were at the ISA shows and we were ground up Java, the beginning, uh, the ignition platform was just in early development stages. We were still working with legacy products. You know, I remember talking at shows and Steve would be talking to other CEOs and they'd go, why are you trying to create a skater product? I mean, that is a mature market. There's no room. Nothing's going to happen there. You're not going to make it. You're selling things too cheap. You're going to go out of business. All the various things that admonitions from other folks in the space. And now I look back over 15 years and uh, the world of digital transformation and the world of uh, software eating the world, as uh, Mike Malinkovich from the Eclipse Foundation has been known to say, the world has changed. The truth is there's a lot of market out there and a lot of stuff going on. And and uh, it's great to have a chance to chat with you about some of it because you've been in this world for a while and you're still in touch with trends and things going on. I think, I think I'd like to start maybe with just taking uh, your experience, what are kind of the trends that you see when you look at anything as a service, software as a service, platform as a service, whatever, whatever it happens to be, that whole world, do you have some thoughts, opinions in that area that we could sort of build on here? Well, we can start off on that. Um, I did some research actually to, to broaden the as a service idea for uh, another uh, panel discussion I was on recently. And I found out that there is no definition. There, there's a, a famous movie from years and years ago uh, called Christmas Vacation. And Clark Griswold, the famous lighting guy, uh, explains to his little niece, you know, Christmas means something different to everyone. And I'm thinking this, this whole as a service thing sort of does, depending on who you read. But I think there are a lot of different ways we can go. And listening to vendors of various kinds. I mean, you guys, but big vendors and small vendors and, and, and some customers, it goes a couple of different ways. And the interesting thing is, you know, it all kind of got really popular with Salesforce and customer and CRM using software as a service, meaning you didn't download and use the software like you used to with Microsoft Word, for example, or WordPerfect if you're an old guy like me. You know, you, you actually had it on your computer and you thought you owned it and all that. And this was a whole different way of doing it. So part of what I see and part of the trends are using a product where you don't have to load it all on, on all your different computers. Uh, I think it's called buying seats where you, you, you have to buy X number of copies. In the old days, you bought floppy disks or whatever. And, and you would stick it on an individual computer and, and all sorts of, sort of stuff. So one of the things I see is kind of this idea of product almost more like a, an operation expenditure, OPEX, rather than capital expenditure, because I don't have to buy some big, big expenditure and then download it myself. And, and so that's one of the things I see. And there's a, a lot of growth in that. There are companies pivoting. You guys showed the way on a lot of this stuff. And then a lot of your competitors have pivoted, as they like to say, in Silicon Valley in that same way. There's another aspect maybe we can get into later. Or maybe we're not run out of time. I don't know. And I go back two decades. These things never occur instantaneously. And a thing that I first saw, a, a nice little kind of control board with a lot of memory and IO and a Nokia cell phone module on it. And it was called machine to machine, M to M. And the idea there was um, I could put one of these boards in a machine, bypass the control system so I don't have to get the control engineer's 
blessing to change a program or anything like that or get into the data table and send some data up to the IT department. And the idea then becoming, one, IT can get into it, but the big sales pitch was going to be an OEM, a machine OEM, skid OEM, or somebody like that could embed one of those things in a, in a machine and then sell services. So that would be another as a service kind of idea. Two decades ago, the technology wasn't there. I, I used to say, you know, your cell phone's dropping calls all the time. You know, can you hear me? You know, that sort of stuff. But now the technology's there. So I see a second trend kind of like going, revisiting that whole idea of, can I sell some other kind of services, quality as a service or predictive maintenance as a service or something? So I see a couple of different things going. It's it's very interesting right now. Yeah, it really is. Do you think it has a different, I mean, if you take an IT top-down viewpoint of that or an OT ground-up viewpoint on it from the field or the plant floor, do you think the viewpoint of what the value is and what the interest is is different if you're looking at it from an IT or an OT viewpoint? Well, yes, uh, it is because IT needs to feed the IT, you know, their systems, ERP and and sales uh, tracking and, and things like that. And they need, you know, the promise more than two decades ago was we'll get all this manufacturing information. We'll be able to help executives manage their companies better and manage their plants better and so on with all this data. And then it didn't happen because it was too hard to do. So a lot of this technology you know, because people like you broke the way into what's now called cloud and and using the internet and uh, and that sort of stuff made it easier to feed what I would what I call feed the beast. You know, you got and, and so that sol- solves an IT problem without screwing up the operations people, which is really nice because don't we always like to talk about the fighting between IT and OT? And I always thought. Well, I've worked in both, and there's no no inherent reason to fight. So the OT people, their problem is, uh, and it's kind of growing. It's more than just keeping a machine running now. It's keeping the whole line running, or maybe I can manage a whole plant better. So now I can start talking. Now I can do more and make better decisions and do better things. So it, it works both ways. And, and I see, and I'm sure you see more than I do, uh, of uh, because I've been the ignition back when it was live and uh, talked to people on both sides. And, and now they, they talk together and they're solving common problems. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the OT, IT folks have come together just a lot better over the last few years. And they're beginning to realize more that we have one enterprise. Uh, another angle on it, though, that I, that I might get your comment on is in the industrial and manufacturing space with those kinds of organizations, when you look at the OT space, there is a difference between operational data, real-time data, working, the dangers, if you will, of some of what goes on in the manufacturing space and having things go to the cloud, uh, not historical data, not for that reason, is, do you see, uh, do you think you think this sort of move to moving things to the cloud, software offerings that aren't locally installed, as you're talking about, do you think it kind of uh, is a direction that we should embrace in the OT space of the plant floor? And if so, why? And if not, why? You know, it, it's kind of interesting. I had a customer back in the 90s who said, I will never allow a wire to come from a PLC to anything other than I.O., of course. 
And uh, that's the starting point. <laughs> and and uh, it's it, I think about that all the time as we do all this connectivity. But um, we had to solve a lot of problems along the way. Um, you know, OT, when you're working where a machine can injure somebody or a machine can break and put production down. I've been on the line with the plant managers saying, you know, many hundreds of thousands of dollars I lose a minute that this machine's down, get this thing up and running. You know, I've been there. You know, so you've got that kind of consequence and you don't want people probing around in your system. And so then people started talking about cloud. And the first thing the operations people thought was, oh, control in the cloud. We'll never be able to do that because of time lags and things like that. People breaking in, security becomes a problem. And so how we solve all that problem is, you know, security is a bit of a moving target, but security is an awful lot better than it used to be because we think about it. So that's one thing. So, and the other thing is we don't need to move control to the cloud necessarily. I'm sure somebody's dreaming of that, but if you've got the control as a black box, there are a lot of reasons to move data into the cloud. And the cloud simply is a compute platform somewhere connected to your stuff. And it, it could actually be in your own facility. It could be in a corporate headquarters. It, it could be, you know, Amazon Web Services and Google and, and Microsoft. Everybody's got a web platform, uh, uh, you know, one of those now. So, so that, that handles that part of it. And I was amazed years ago running into engineers that were doing their own servers. They'd just go out and kind of like us old guys bought a, brought a PC in you know, they brought servers in, you know, heck with you PC guys. And, oh, okay, this is interesting. So what happens is we adopt these things and we learn how to use them. And so that becomes very interesting. So there, there's a reason, you know, historical databases. So I can do trend analysis. From trend analysis, I can do predictive analytics. And there becomes a ton of operations reasons to have all this data stored somewhere outside of the control system. I remember having chat with uh, Arlen Nipper from Link Solutions when he was early on talking, they were talking cloud in the oil and gas industry. And he shares the example of just not that many years ago, talking to folks at different oil and gas companies going, you will never see us go to the cloud. It's not going to happen. It's not a possibility. Never, not a dead body. And yet look at five years later, everybody's doing that. So it really has, I think it's moved strongly in that direction. I want to shift just a little bit the attention to the world of cloud computing in relationship to edge computing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of movement of moving things closer to the edge, and then there's the movement of things in the cloud. Can you give your view and elaborate a little bit on the importance of edge computing and cloud computing in the industrial space, and maybe a little a comparisons of your thoughts on what should be done where from your perspective? Interestingly enough. You know, I named my uh, my website and technically my business the Manufacturing Connection, and the reason was well, two reasons. One, I could buy that domain name, and the other one is the other was connection. I was more interested in connection, and uh, and the adjective was difficult to come up with. So I've always been kind of involved in this connectivity thing, which led me into the realm of IT as the only independent blogger, influencer, analyst kind of person, not beholden to anybody. So I, I've gone to a lot of Dell conferences, a lot of Hewlett Packard Enterprise conferences. So it's interesting as the manufacturing guy. So sitting with, with HPE, uh, a, a whole like 20 influencers and other technical people, it's kind of like, what's the edge? Let's talk about the edge. And I, they look and say, Gary, you are the edge. 
Uh, <laughs> everything you are is the edge of the network. The entire manufacturing space is the edge to them. <laughs> is the edge, yeah. Because those guys are all the server guys and the storage guys and, and the big iron guys. So why, why do we go there? So we, we just talked about cloud and cloud is a server. It's a co big compute platform somewhere. Um, and it could be you run it, you could own it, whatever. But we, we get another problem is in manufacturing, we generate a lot of data, as in a lot of data. If you're going to transmit that data, what does it take? Bandwidth. Bandwidth isn't always all that available or cheap or whatever. So then we get into this idea of edge. And it started out with edge gateways. Can I connect a whole bunch of stuff to some kind of a box that's got some storage in it? And then I can ship it off to the cloud. And then they say, well, wait a minute. Why don't we, like, like in Hewlett Packard Enterprises case, they bought Silicon Graphics and Cray, and they've got compute powered beyond imagine almost. So why don't we put that in a box? And they put them on offshore oil platforms to talk about your oil and gas stuff so that they can do a lot of compute there and storage and just ship what needs to go to the cloud to reduce the bandwidth problem and utilize the best of the cloud, utilize the best of the edge. People get confused. What is edge? And uh, can I replace cloud with edge? Well, maybe. I look at it like, look at a system. What problem are you trying to solve? What technology then can help you solve your problem? And then how do I do a system architecture that takes the best of all these worlds? And, and that's looking at the hardware side, the edge and the cloud server. And then you look at like the software side of how do I load and communicate and so on. Yeah, so when you look at that, do you see these then as competing technologies, separate solutions? Or as I think you're saying, part of an integrated architectural development to do the right thing at the right place with the right technology. I mean, how do, how do you see that sort of evolving? I don't see so much competing right now. Sometimes you get evangelists. And, um, you know, Guy Kawasaki is the famous first evangelist for Apple computers uh, a long time ago. And now we got them everywhere. But, but sometimes they go a little overboard. And in, in promoting this or that cloud or edge or whatever, what I see is I, almost everybody I talked to in the last two, three years realizes uh, this kind of hybrid approach where there's a, a reason and a purpose for compute at the edge, a reason and a purpose for compute in the cloud. And we just design our architecture to take advantage of the best of both worlds. And I see quite a bit. I've talked to a couple of uh, automation vendors lately and um, looking at things like the PLC as the edge compute, um, which kind of blew my mind because I'm still an old school guy. When I went to school on PLCs, it was Alan Bradley's PLC5. You know, it's when you're old, you're old. But there's, there's a lot of stuff there. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people do this edge thing and process control people are buying or private labeling or whatever it is some sort of good compute platform in a box that they can put on an offshore platform or somewhere. I, I see less competition and more like, how can I do a system and how can I put it together? That makes sense, Sam. Uh, you mentioned something about, yeah, when you start looking at moving everything up and the volumes of data that exist in the manufacturing space, brings me to another topic I wanted to get you to give your opinions on is, MQTT is becoming as a transport vehicle, very, very popular in the industrial space, 
Obviously, our strategic partner uh, with Inductive Automation, Sirius Link Solutions, its president is um, is co-inventor of MQTT, Arlen Nipper, and we've worked with him for years. But there's some talk about, well, OPCUA, MQTT, is one supposed to replace the other? Are they competitor? Do they have a play? And it's just where do they play in a similar thing? Solving some of the bandwidth problem has to do with Obviously, a vehicle for doing that is the report by exception technology of MQTT, so you're not wasting bandwidth on uh, traditional old pole response technologies. So when you look at MQTT and OPCUA, from your perspective, is it a competition? Is it, a, a, a again, complementary? You use one where it makes sense and it allows you to have a more robust architecture overall. What are your thoughts about those two approaches and evolutions in the manufacturing space? That's a very interesting topic. And, and I have a weird part of my personality where I like to stir up things occasionally. I've noticed that about you, Gary. So that's why I asked the question. Go ahead and stir it up. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too much trouble, but it's, it's interesting. So I've, I've listened to Arlen. He's, he's, he's one of those patient evangelist kinds of guys I just mentioned. Yeah. And, um, and I think he's got that same quirk in a personality because he'll kind of smile at me after he makes a, a, a bold statement. <laughs> but I have a lot of friends in the OPC arena, of course. So I would write to the OPC people and talk about MQTT and Sparkplug and those technologies and try to get them all riled up and then uh, get a response. So there's an evangelist on both sides. So some of the, there are OPCUA evangelist purists or something, and they talk about OPCUA to the cloud and it can replace MES or it can, I don't know, solve world hungry. I don't know. A lot of stuff. There's always somebody like that. The weird thing is that OPCUA really is an information model and it's really useful. It's one of those weird things that almost everybody uses and almost everybody complains about. I love those things, you know, it's like, but but there's a ton of uses for it, but maybe not every use. But OPC UA needs a transport mechanism. And when they first did OPC, they did it over something I think is called AMQP, uh, which is just another transport protocol. But it also works over MQTT. You can do that. Uh, so in that case, there's no competition. It's just it's a couple of different things. So if we look at that part of it, then, then that's one part. But then the MQTT people, you know, Arlen and his, and his group came up with a with another with a model, not not nearly as robust on purpose as OPC called Sparkplug. And technically, you could make a point that Sparkplug and, and OPC UA compete. But in another one of your partners, I see at Ignition Community Conference all the time is, is my old friend Benson Hoagland from Opto 22. And he's always done ITOT, but he's always taken a different take than anybody else. And so he and Arlen and you guys, you know, kind of put together a simpler, easier to use, I guess is what I would say. And that's not being fair, but it's good for this podcast, you know, because you don't need all this other stuff. But you need to solve a particular problem. And so MQTT Sparkplug uh, to Ignition and, and your various things works wonders for a lot of applications, right? So I go back to what's the problem you're trying to solve? If it's a, a lighter weight, kind of less information intensive thing, perfect. Maybe you need all the information modeling of OPC UA. Well, gee, we have a solution there. 
where I just read about your new 8.1 point something. Yeah. Well, when I was reading about it, it, it said an awful lot about OPC UA support in it. It's not like, you know, you guys support. What, what does your customer need? Okay, we can help you. If you go back earlier, even prior to any work with Arlen and the team at SearchLink on MQTT uh, modules, we based the company on OPC UA before it was a standard totally out. Because Steve was well aware as our founder and CEO with Carl and Kobe that we needed to have data. We needed to have the connectivity. We needed to have all the things that OPC UA was offering. So clearly OPC UA has a significant role to play. But you're right. You need transport too. So uh, I guess that was my basic question. Do you see these things as, as competing or what should the relationship be between OPC UA and MQTT in the manufacturing space from your view? I think in, on one hand, they're complementary, and I think on another hand, there's a, uh, a level of competition that I view as good because it keeps everybody on their toes. It can keep the OPC UA people stretching and looking at what's going on down here and, and what's needed. I used to be in product development, so I think of this. You know, I'm always looking at the competition and say, okay, competition's good. What can I learn? What can I do? Does it make me better? And the same thing with the the whole MQT uh, spark plug thing. So I, they're both going to exist and they both fulfill purposes. And I think they are somewhat competitive. And I think that's good. No, I think it's good. Full stop. Yeah. Well, then let, let's shift a little bit. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about as a service and the world of cloud computing and the evolution that direction, the view of edge and cloud back and forth, and then transport and the OPC UA MQTT world. When you're talking about an organization that's looking for an industrial solution, as a broad stroke, what should be the main focus they have? The technology of the product, what the product brings to the business, when they're trying to move forward in their own digital transformation journey, however they are, their IoT solutions, whatever, what should they be looking at as a broad stroke when they're trying to put together their strategies and move forward? Oh, gee, that's just a nice, narrow question, Don. And could you do that in two minutes, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go for it. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> no, actually, whenever I'm advising people, you know, people come to me and they'll, they'll, they'll ask, you know, well, I, I think I should do Internet of Things, IoT. Oh, good. Why? You know, it, it's kind of like all that. And so I actually take a step back and say, What's the business problem you're trying to solve? What do you need to do? Do you need data from this? Do you need to compile data? Are you trying to do, you know, improve your quality, product, predictive maintenance? I've got some kind of a problem I'm solving. And then I go out and I look and I say, okay. So I never look at a technology and say, let me fit it into the company. It's more like, I've got a problem to solve. Now, where can I go find the technologies and the products that, that are going to help me. So that's step one. So then, then I start looking. You're going to need a partner and you need somebody with staying power and you need somebody, you need to, to look at products that are built such that they can expand, they're scalable, that it's a company that, that brings out new versions and even better started this whole conversation with as a service and one of the as a service things is if i let you host the thing on the cloud and i you know buy just the services i'm always going to be up to date because the vendor is going to be uh, keeping it up to date and, and all the all those benefits that come from it so if i'm going to look at 
on the software side of things, then I'm, I'm going to look for that. If I'm looking on the hardware sort of side of things, I want to buy things that divorce hardware from software, for example, so that I can upgrade one without screwing up the other and all that. Uh, that's a big thing in process control right now. And so I can I can look ahead into that sort of thing. So hardware, software. Yeah, I think, you know, those, those are the kind of things I'd want. Somebody I can work with that's going to scale. A partner with some staying power um, and also being, staying up to date. You're right. Uh, not having to worry about keeping up to date yourself because the as a service side of it gives you some uh, some confidence that it's kept up to date. I want to give us one final shot for you as we sort of wrap this up a little bit. This is another broad question for you, but you always have opinions. Ever since I met, you have opinions about where things are and where they're going and where they should go. So when you look from your perspective out into the future, what are some of the exciting things that you're interested in, that you see coming, that that get you excited about where things are going in this overall world of manufacturing connections to your name and the industrial space broadly? You know, I was just beginning to wonder if things were getting kind of in a situation of stasis that, you know, where, where's innovation going to come from? Uh, you know, little tweaks as we upgrade, and make our products better. This whole idea of artificial intelligence, it really gets overhyped and it's really crazy. And, and it's not like popular press might have it. But there's a lot of AI built into stuff that's going to be very interesting and useful. And you may not even know it's AI or maybe not even care. But there are some companies springing up doing a lot of stuff in there. I think this as a service, you know, I approached it at the beginning. Like right now, people are talking about product as a service in the sense of let me put my software on the cloud and and you can buy instances of it or I don't know what the proper term is. But I think in the future, we're going to see companies and maybe even you guys branch out. I don't know. Or some, some other partnership where, you know, you can start looking at quality as a service or predictive analytics as a service or something where you sell something or, you know, you sell like through the machine vendors or the skid manufacturers and that, and that sort of thing, where they can really build this relationship of servicing my products and systems as an ongoing sales revenue thing, looking at the vendor side of it, you know, how do I make uh, more more consistent revenue? And then you look at the customer side of it, I can't hire people anymore, right? It, it is so hard to hire anything from engineers and technicians. And if I can rent them, you know, that that works nicely too. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going there. I'm excited about that. I think there's a lot of cool, there's some new companies starting up with the uh, edge IoT AI kind of combinations of playing with stuff. I think we're going to see some really interesting uh, responses to what's happened over the last couple of years and then take us into the future. It's a good time. An exciting time, too. I certainly see the, uh, the evolution of the demands on ourselves as a company as is exciting because uh, that demand also puts opportunity uh, right there in front of us. If we can uh, keep up with those opportunities and, and address the market, there's still a lot of room for innovation, I think, to your point. So, well, listen, I appreciate having the time to sit and chat with you. I've been asking you a bunch of questions across a variety of topics. I don't know if you got any parting words or something that doesn't connect to a question you want to say And as we wrap up, but uh, anything else, anything final? We're recording this before Ignition Community Conference. I'm sorry I'm not going to be there, but uh, I'll, I'll be there in spirit and virtually. And then uh, hopefully in another year, we can get out there and bring that whole community together. They're always a fun group. Gary, that would be great to see you. 
Uh, we're certainly optimistic. We were fully virtual with ICC again this year, but we're very optimistic that as we look to 2022, we will be able to have a hybrid conference and we can have you come out and we can uh, have some opportunity to interact again and have the virtual side of it, but also have a, an in-person side of it. So uh, we look forward to seeing you again at that time. And I, I just want to say thanks again. It's always good to have a chance to chat with you. I'm glad you're doing well. And it's really fantastic that you're, uh, you and your wife are located there where you can hang out with family and see grandkids and all the things that I know you and I both appreciate about the family life side. So thanks again. Appreciate the conversation today. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks a lot, Don. See ya. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, this is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.